Welcome to the Level Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And Andre. I could not get you to stop talking. What a woman speak. Do you see what I'm saying? How to break through with your spouse, your partner. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. How did you handle this? The man's kind of got it good. I feel like you're getting off on a little bit of soapbox. This is me rolling my eyes. This is really great. I really... Rolling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Welcome back again. We are so thankful for all of our listeners and the people. We, every week we just get new people joining us. It's so exciting. So if you haven't joined us before and this is your first time, Jeff, tell us about the project. Lover Work is a project over the next two years that we're doing to ask the question, is it possible to stay in love, change the world, and raise a healthy family? Yeah. And we are interviewing hopefully over 100 couples over this time and learning from all the experience that they have. And, uh, and yeah, so if this is a topic that is really interesting to you, I hope it's interesting to you because it's happening everywhere. People that want to be a part of bigger stories with their lives and also still want to raise a family, we would recommend subscribing to the podcast. Yes. And today's podcast is so good. So today we are interviewing Jenny and Zach Allen. Uh, Jenny is the founder of If Gathering, and she has also written numerous books, and Zach, her husband, is a serial entrepreneur who has started companies globally, domestically, internationally, all the things. We can't pin him down. Nope. Too many things going on for that guy. They have four kids, been married for 21 years, and they were just so great. So I wrote great. pages and pages of notes. So tell us, Jeff, what should we be listening for? What you should be listening for this week are the first thing is that they are dreamers. Both of them are visionaries and they have raised a family of dreamers, which is kind of a cool thing to hear how they've done that. We asked them this question, how do we become a dream releasing partner? They have lots of thoughts on that. Um, the second thing is they have received very early on some advice that they're, since they are both dreamers, they're both movie directors. Imagine Imagine what it's like to be a movie director, but stay on your own set of your own movie. They're going to share a little about what they learned on that. And then one of the things that Zach uh, recommended in, in sharing in, in encouraging dreams in other people is that you have to be secure in who you are. And that really stuck with me. So we'll talk more after the interview, but man, we're, get ready. This is a really good interview. So here they are, Jenny and Zach Allen. So give us, let's start by kind of digging into your love story. Give us like the quick version of how you guys fell in love. How, how those first moments where your eyes were twinkling, share how it twinkling. began. Well, you're starting with conflict right off the bat. <laughs> I love it. We don't agree on how we fell in love. He, he heard my name a year before we met and and then he heard my name again when we, we met at a summer camp and, and he heard my name again from another person trying to introduce us. And the first time we ever met, which I, all of that, I found out later that he had been, you know, briefed on who I was and, and that we might be right for each other by two different people that we love and respect. And then the first minute we meet, I say, hi, my name's Jenny. And he says, Jesse. And I, he, and I was like, now that I knew the whole story, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You are such a player. Okay. That, that actually is how you remember it. It's it was it an happened, honest happened. mistake. <laughs> it had nothing to do with my game playing. 
<laughs> I, I, really I, a hearing I, deficit? I play games like that <laughs> at that point. Uh, but however, what the part that she doesn't tell you is the first kind of one-on-one -on -one time that we spent together, she asked me out on our first date. Now, see, again, we fight oh. I thought he was cute. He was like a little young. He was like one grade behind me. And so I thought he was just cute. I, I invited to a group thing that we were doing. I probably invited other boys. No, the back I was the Anyway, he gave him the confidence to ask me on a real date. And then we went on a real date. And I, I will say it was in the first hour. I was like, this guy is different than anybody I've dated. And we're sitting there in the car and just having a better conversation. I mean, we were so young. We were only 18 years old. And so to have a really deep, meaningful conversation about purpose and about values and about faith and all these things, it was so unique to me to, to be that challenged by a guy. And so I knew pretty quickly, we got stuck in traffic in Branson, Missouri, where our camp is that we worked at. And I knew within that hour of stuck in traffic, this guy's different. Yeah. And, 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 and Jenny, I didn't know if she was going to be the woman for me forever. But what, what I did know is that she was a dreamer. She was a leader. She was running hard after the things she cared about, and she was constantly growing. And it was the first time that I had ever been around a woman that I really wondered if I actually was going to be able to keep pace with her. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So now how many years total have you been married? 21. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. And you have four kids, all different age. What ages are they? We just sent one to college. Our oldest is 18, and our youngest is 10. Wow. wow How was that? a wide range there. Yeah, you probably like, sent to college like probably this week. How was that experience? It's, it would be the worst week of my entire life, except that, praise God, he went down the street because <laughs> I adore my kids. And he, so he, he went to SMU. We live in Dallas, and it, was, it shocked us all. Every school he was looking at was up in the Northeast, and and it, it was, yeah, it was a good surprise. He's playing football down the street. So but we there, see him plenty. We had dinner last, we had family dinner last night and, uh, Jenny in, made sure that the extra place setting that normally was where Connor would sit, uh, was removed from the table. So it wasn't a reminder. So there's kind of this low grade sadness oh, right now. It's the grieving. new of what our, our family dinners look like. Oh, I can't even imagine that quite yet. No, but what's really fun and where I have to keep focusing is I love that he was ready and that he's, you know, I just keep being thankful. I'm like, you know what? This is, this is the right next step. At some point it would be wrong if we held on to him too long. So you do get more and more ready. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, he was more and more ready. Of course. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So you kind of talked about this a little bit, Zach, but basically how you are both in, I mean, you're both dreamers. That's kind of your thing. You're big dreamers. You're big risk takers. You both have your own organizations going hard, going strong, very separate, different things. How do you partner together? How do you encourage each other? How do you support each other, even though you're both going strong in your own different ways? Yeah, so that was some, some hard-won lessons for both of us. Um, I would say probably for me, the, it was the biggest challenge uh, along the way. And, and, and the pace that we run at today, 20 years into marriage, 
uh, we always had the fire in us, but there were different seasons of life that we couldn't always run at the same pace or in the same way. And the older we've gotten, we've also gotten more secure and more aware of our gifting that allows us to be more clear in how we run. And so I preface that by just saying that uh, it, it wasn't always how it is and it won't always be how it is right now. Um, they're, they're definitely different seasons. But for for me, one, I married this passionate dreamer up and down girl that I, I, it's what drew me to her I fell in love with. But at the same time, even some of the hard parts of marriage it, it was some of the things that, that I kind of wished away into marriage because it was definitely more complicated. I was kind of this emotionless, even keel, composed, keep my poise at all costs type of person. And uh, and Jenny was the opposite. And so uh, what drew us together uh, actually became what I was trying to uh, get rid of because, uh, frankly, uh, it was it was tougher. It was tougher maybe mm-hmm. to manage. And, and, and actually, I would say at that point, me being an insecure leader, trying to uh, lead Jenny was what I uh, almost wished away. So that was early on in marriage. In about year five, I realized that I, in, in order to keep the peace, I just was stuffing everything I was passionate about. I stuffed my emotions, I stuffed my dreams, I stuffed my passions, and it was, I was just dying on the inside. And I remember talking to someone that I respect, a mentor, and she said, Jenny, if y'all don't get counseling, I don't think you're going to make it. And and that was the first time that someone really sounded an alarm because you don't always know. You live in your own mind or you live in your own marriage and you don't know what it's like for everyone else. You just assume like, hey, everybody's got these same problems and thoughts and issues. And, and certainly everyone does have problems and thoughts and issues. But I do think what was helpful about her sounding the alarm was it was like, you know what, this is this is leading in a really dangerous direction. And you're basically dying to who you are. And that's, that's not okay. And, and it's not going to be a marriage, it's going to be very unhealthy, and it is already unhealthy. And so I remember I went home and I told them, you know, I think we need to go to counseling, which was a really brave step at the time, we didn't know many people that had gone to counseling. And I just said, what do you think? And he kind of got quiet. And this is kind of a pattern with, with you is he's an internal processor. And so he takes a little time away and comes back to me maybe an hour or three days. This time it was three days later. And he said, um, I agree. I think we need to go. And that was such a turning point. Actually, that was year you're, five. Give, you're giving me too much credit because actually <laughs> the, the shot, the shot across the bow was after one night. Uh, usually our conflict was at night, 10 o'clock in bed. Jenny would be emotional. I would want to go to sleep. I couldn't fix it. I would roll over and go to sleep, hoping it would be better in the morning because I would be just fine, but it wouldn't. So time after time that builds up. And one day Jenny just says, I wouldn't consider divorce, but I just want you to know that last night I wanted to grab the kids. We had two young kids at the time. I wanted to grab the kids and leave. And so that was the shot over the bow for me to recognize. I didn't have the tools. Uh, I didn't have the emotional uh, awareness and maturity uh, to be able to, to empathize and to even, I didn't have the tools to conflict well in marriage. And so that was kind of season one of our marriage, years zero through five. Yeah. Talk to us about some of the further seasons. Keep going. I, this is 
just yeah. so you know, we're sitting there, we keep we're looking like, at each oh other, and goodness, we're like, wow. This is amazing. Yeah, and it's like, yep, we've been yep, there. We yep, were at that 10 o'clock yep. time at night. We get it. So keep going. Yeah, so, so we end up going to counseling, and I think that was the best decision we've ever made in our marriage. In fact, we say it all the time to people. If you don't have enough problems to send you to counseling in the first five years, go anyway. Um, because it was just that helpful that we, we were shaped by being able to hear each other, you know, to, to some degree, what a third party or a counselor paid or unpaid does is they're able to interpret each other for you. Right. So they can say, you know, Zach, I think what she's saying is super valid when he's kind of been invalidating it or, and I, you know, for the same thing for me, like, Hey, you know, Jenny, you're, you're hearing this, but he's really not saying that he's not attacking your character here. Like, he, you know, he, he, you kind of need somebody to play that role. And so in those years, I think we learned how to fight. We learned how, in fact, you know, we got great at fighting. <laughs> we hadn't fought a lot. Well, all of a sudden, the, all of a sudden I was handed this grenade called emotions that I used to think were evil. And then all of a sudden I, I recognize or are actually uh, incredibly valuable. And it's part of what a relationship is. And I became an emotional infant. And so I started exploding on her. It's almost too like the counselor gives you permission, you know, like, hey, you're allowed to share your feelings. Yeah. That's right. So we did. I remember it was something so little. I He had gotten cut off in, in traffic and he like threw out like a huge, huge customer. And I was like, whoa, like, whoa, like, where has this husband been? Like, he, he just all of a sudden. <laughs> it all the, came out. We, we say at that point, it's kind of like pots and pans were out and everything was. But it was so for me, who was more emotional, it was it was so much better. I would have rather been fighting than how we had been, which was basically stuffing everything and not dealing with it. And so those next years were great. But what another turning point for us was we went to a leadership development center that was talking about, like, what are your gifts? What is your calling? What are you good at? And this was in our mid twenties. Um, we'd been married. It was around the same seven time, years. actually. Seven years. Yeah, it was several years after we'd started counseling. And, and so we go to this counseling and they do these profiles about our personalities and I'll never forget the person who reads the profiles and kind of makes sense of it for you, interprets the tests. He does this all the time for a living and he sits down and he looks at the two of us and there's like six couples in the room doing the same thing. He looks at the two of us, he goes, well, you never see this. And I was like, that cannot be good. (laughs) (laughs) And he laid them out in our first words. It basically was a series of oh, 10 to 30 words about your personality and gifting and all this. And the first words on each of ours were visionary leader, directional visionary leaders, both of us. And he was like, this is so interesting. Like usually visionary leaders don't marry each other. So the, and then he looked at it for a little while. He said, okay, I see, I see some hope here because Jenny, you're, you're a harmonizer. You like to be okay with people. You don't want to like, you don't want to fight for a living. So I think y'all are going to be okay because you're going to pick the relationship over conflict. But he said, here's how you're going to survive is you're both movie directors, but you need your own sets and your own scripts and your own movies. So keep them separate, (laughs) keep them separate, separate. keep them separate. If you try to build on the same movie, you're going to hate each other, but you'll be each other's best consultant. Hmm. You'll love when the other one comes to the set and shows you things and points out things and brings their wisdom to it. Y'all are going to be excellent consultants for each other's movies, but don't direct the same movie. And that changed our lives because after that, my husband is such an entrepreneur. I'm such an entrepreneur. Since that time, we've started, I don't know, five or six different companies, or my husband started a church. Um, we've started, you know, I started a nonprofit. We've started 
he, he runs like multiple businesses. So, you know, it was really important advice and proved absolutely true. And I think it's saved our marriage. So, I mean, one of the quick takeaways that we've learned in 21 years of marriage with two starters married to each other is you can't both start at the same time. Uh, and still have a healthy marriage. You can't both press down on the accelerator. There is an energy required uh, at the start of an organization or a company that is costly to the whole family, not just time-wise, but emotionally. And that's what we've learned. And, and, and by providence, we can look back and realize that circumstantially, we were just prevented from starting at the same time. But we know that we would be no good if we were both trying to start something at the same time. That's so good. Oh, somebody is saying the things that we say behind closed doors. This is great. (laughs) This is so good. What does it look like for you guys? Oh, I mean, I think what you're talking about, we, we have, you know, recently been processing what you're talking about related to seasons of kind of referring to it as like, um, different in different seasons, each person's purpose has to take a priority, and one person's purpose has to take a back seat. And so we, and that's okay as long as you pretty much define that. So as long as like the woman knows and the man knows that this is for a period of time, this doesn't mean our entire marriage. This doesn't mean forever, or this doesn't mean, you know. And I think I think that's where a lot of women sometimes feel stuck is in, you know, little kid phase or staying home and feeling trapped with just home life and kids and don't feel like they can come out of that and really kind of find their purpose or do their thing. So Jenny, I mean, especially with you working so much with women, what would you say to that woman who is in that scenario? Like, either small kids at home or feeling kind of trapped in this one space that feels like there's something more within her, but doesn't really know, you know, how to find that or how to express that or yeah, come out of that place. What do you, what would you suggest or what what, you talk to women all day, every day? Yeah. Yeah. It is very common what you're saying. And and I think, you know, there's a season of, of losing ourselves in the midst of if, if toddlers and babies are a stage, it's, it's a hard stage. It's a demanding stage. And it doesn't last as long as it feels like it lasts. Right. Um, but, it, but it does feel like it lasts a long time. And, and I always tell women in that stage specifically, you may not be able to run at a breakneck pace right now with your passions and your gifts, but don't let them die. Keep some percentage of your life for those passions and gifts so that when they go to school, which will come when they, you know, leave the house, which hopefully will come, then there's, those things are still alive in you. I I think it's hard for women to, and the other, besides just that, I also think that they're happier moms. I I noticed when I would do what I love to do a little bit, it brought a lot of joy. I didn't feel as much like a martyr. I felt like I actually had things in my life that kept my mind working and that kept mm-hmm. me on my toes. And so I think that's important. But I also just, I, I think that the idea of ebbing and flowing is part of life, right? Seasons do it. The way we're built with rest and whether in a 24 hour period, we've got to sleep. This is how we're made. We're made to ebb and flow. If we run all the time at a breakneck pace, it, 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 we will burn out. So I think it's okay to recognize that no matter what it is, you're probably in a season and it's not going to last forever. 
And so what I love to do is plan for the next season. Like if I can't run in that season, not like I want to, then I am going, okay, well, what, what could I imagine doing in the next season? And then be, spend this time preparing. So it helped me know what to read. It helped me know what to study. It helped me know who to choose to be around because I had dreams that even though I couldn't do them right then or execute them, I could be preparing for them. And that kept me passionate and studying and learning. And it was just, it was motivating even in the midst of, in fact, I I attended seminary during my kids' toddler years uh, because I just was so passionate about learning about God. And so I, you know, it was kind of odd. All my friends were like, you're doing what? Because at the time I didn't have a goal of writing or running, you know, a nonprofit. And so it was just, everybody thought it was odd, but it was a passion. It was a way for me to keep those things alive. I didn't have a lot of time to do something with that at the time, Yeah. but we used our savings and, and I attended classes and I loved it. And it fed my soul during a time that could have been really hollow and just only about diapers and that kind of thing. But I still did the diapers. I did all that, but it gave, it it gave Mm -hmm. a layer to it. You mentioned, you mentioned a little bit about just kind of, you can't run at it the speed that we all want to run at all day, every day, right? You kind of refer to that. And so for the two of you and your family, can you share just some rhythms that you guys have figured out for rest and rejuvenation in some way? Like, I'm curious what that looks like, not just for you individually, but as a whole family. We built children just like us. So this is a horrible question because we're horrible. At- <laughs> we molded them to be like us. So you have six visionaries. We Yes. We really do. Our favorite show is Shark Tank. We watch it. We've seen almost every episode, and that's a lot. Yeah, a, a passive kid just gets walked all over, uh, and so <laughs> yeah, we have we, our youngest is adopted, and he's got the strongest personality of anybody in our family. But he was supposed to be an Allen. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's that environment. There you go. Nurture versus yeah. Nature. He's eighteen years old, and he's already started three companies, all of which were profitable. A couple, one of them was shut down because it was making so much money within the school walls that they, they, you know, they, they were proud down. of him. Oh. Yeah, the school had to shut it down because he was they were like, <laughs> yeah. oh, too much, too much success, too much money. Yeah, yeah Jeff. The the question really is is just reminding us why we told our kids at eighteen when they graduate that we'll go ahead and pray, pay for counseling for them. Uh, we know that, that we have messed them up and there's some parenting deficiencies in there significantly. And let's go ahead and root it out before maybe they're like us in marriage and we're having to deal some, with some stuff. But here, I will say the way we rest, honestly, because we're not good at just sitting there, but we are good at playing together. And so I think the main way we rest is adventure. So whether that's in, even in Dallas, I think that was one of the reasons we were sad to move here was there's not quite as much obvious adventure. We're having to find it. So, you know, places that we've gone already in the first few months of living here, we, you know, we went over to the Fort Worth stockyards and, you know, did the stupid cheesy stuff over there. You know, we, we went to the Dallas fair and ate every fried food. Like we just, build experiences, make memories. Yeah. 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 We believe in that. And we do that very rarely in big ways. We haven't always been able to afford very, you know, big ways, but we always have done it in different seasons in our life. I like that. I like that a lot. So you have even talked about a little bit, the whole dream, how do you become a dream releasing partner? Mm -hmm. Is that a phrase that I I I actually I've heard from one of y'all? Yeah. And actually for the whole family, it seems like it's not just like for each other. It's like, how do you build that into your kids? I think that's, it's interesting here. You guys talk about that. We've raised kids that have dreams and businesses, three businesses before they get out, you know, they're still in school. So talk about this idea of 
becoming a dream releaser? Yeah, so um, I, I wrote an article, I guess, or it was a part of one of Jenny's books, and uh, Restless, uh, in, in the, the articles, essentially, how to become a dream releasing husband. And uh, because I want to nourish and cherish her, and quite frankly, uh, I, I believe that I'm going to be held account to account one day for how I shepherded the gifts of my wife. And so um, the first thing for a dream releasing husband is they've got to be secure in who they are. Insecure men cannot champion strong women. There's just absolutely no way because strong women and their gifts threaten insecure men. Um, the second the second piece of that is if you're going to be a dream-releasing family or dream-releasing husband is you've got to give up the idol of control because it's going to produce chaos or it feels like chaos when everyone in the family is running with their gifts. Uh, so there's a great energy, but it's high uh, risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, balance is a lie of life. We're, we're fed that. Uh, and I think it's actually part of uh, just masking the idolatry of control. And so we trust that cheering for each other um, forces all of us to have to make sacrifices for each other. And then, and then the third, lastly, if we know that we're behind each other and we understand that this is going to bring some chaos, then it's just a, a daily conversation or a consistent conversation of rhythms and logistics and seasons of life and what are the opportunities in front of us right now. So so it's not a, a personal threat that someone else in my family wants to use their gifts. It's just a, how do we just make it work in the limited 24 hours that we have during the day and seven days a week? Wow. That's some serious content right there, folks. I hope you all wrote that down. I'm still taking notes. Uh, as I'm like, I'm quiet because I'm writing as quickly as possible. Go ahead, Jenny. Well, and he lives it. I mean, it's, it's so real. I trust his decision-making so much because sometimes I just don't even know what to say yes to and what to do. But, you know, around the same time that I was starting to take the stage of speaking and writing and being more public in the things that I do, he was walking off the stage from the pastorate of leading a church for 10 years. And so it was it was a huge shift and it was so cool just to see his security and knowing, you know what, it's not in how many people I lead. It's not in what I do. And I think that was, that was part, I mean, again, it's so foundational, I think to being able to cheer for somebody else is not needing to be the most awesome, right? Like that's the, that's the conception we have of marriages is if one, and if you look at the movies, it's all over. It actually just wrote about this on Instagram because it was bugging me so bad. So many movies I'd seen in a row of family members that were whining because someone else succeeded in the family. And I just, I was like that, I just want everyone to know out there. It doesn't have to be like that. Like that's not our family at all. When someone succeeds, we feel like we've all succeeded. We feel like we all did that together. Mm. And, and you know, my son won a state championship. I mean, my, all of my kids thought they won the state championship too at football. You know, it was, we were one unit doing multiple things and extensions of our family in these individuals, but we're, we're one unit, like cheering for each other and believing in each other. And we also know that we've all made sacrifices so he could go do that. And, right. and when, when a kid wins, it's because they've got the support system from behind them or when an, when a adult wins in the family too, it's the same thing. My kids have supported everything that I do. My husband has. And so when something succeeds, we all celebrate it. And, 
it's just, oh, it's so fun. And, and I hope that for people, I mean, it's hard fought because we're always wrestling down insecurity and fears. So I'm not, I wouldn't want to act like that's just always easy, but I do think it is possible. And, 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 and I can even speak to that from the, from the guy's perspective, from a woman who has public gifts, who is thrown onto the stage kind of out of nowhere without any Twitter or blog or, or anything. And, and all of a sudden she's given this huge amount of influence and responsibility and I'm stepping off the stage and she's being thrown on the stage. I'm actually kind of going through some burnout and depression at the time. And all of a sudden my wife is being thrown on the stage and in the dark days, the insecure times I'm, I'm saying, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden this organization she's leading takes off and it's like, well, I don't know that there's going to be this stopping point. This thing has outgrown anything that we had ever thought it was going to be. Will there ever be any room for me hmm. again? And so those are those are the, the real things that you just have to trust. So never was Jenny uh, holding tightly to that this was a season for her to run and for me to kind of rest and recover and, and support her dreams. Never was she holding tight to that. It was just the reality of how big this thing became. Mm. And so my prayers actually shifted at that time because I just realized, okay, what if, what if the greatest thing that I could do, the call on my life, is to not shepherd hundreds of thousands of people, but to shepherd my wife well so she could shepherd hundreds of thousand people, would that be okay? And I had to get comfortable with that answer of yes, because it's an incredibly significant role. Now, fast forward, it's time for me to run again. And Jenny's mm. out of starter mode. And, and that thing has come full circle and I'm kind of healthy and healed and I'm running hard again as well. But when you're in the midst of it, sometimes you don't see the end of it. Or sometimes it takes life on its own and you just have to ride it. Jenny, when you hear him talk about that, the honest, raw perspective, what what do you think? Because I see you, your mind is spinning on something. What? Tell me what you think when you hear that. Well, I'll go back to what that the guy sat down when he saw both of our profiles, and he said, "At the end of the day, Jenny, you're going to pick the relationship." And I remember, I mean, I could just ball thinking about that season because I just didn't want. I my biggest fear was that something I did hurt my family, hurt my husband, took away from our kids. You know, I always tell, I go and speak to a lot of women all over and I always tell them, you know, I like you, but I love my family and I don't want to serve all of you at the expense of them. And, and there have been seasons I've wondered if that was happening, but what's cool. One of the things that happened with my daughter that actually changed, changed my mindset on this was we set over a meal when she was about 13 years old and we were asking each other these conversation cards that we had and and she asked the question to me on the card that said, what's your biggest fear? And I immediately started crying. And I said, it's easy. I know what it is. I'm scared that you're going to look back and think to yourself, like I was off helping other people and, and I wasn't there for you. And she started laughing while I was crying. And she said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. She said, mom, don't you know that watching you help people is why I want to help people. And I realized that I had all these narratives in my mind of what I thought great motherhood was, what I thought being a great wife was. And it was all um, built on, you know, role models that I've had that it's not a bad thing. If, if, if you, if you don't work outside the home, that certainly is a noble way to spend life. But for me, that wasn't where 
I was in life. I wasn't able to make every game. I wasn't able to have the jersey, you know, ironed by their beds all the time. They had to do a lot themselves. And and so there was this fear that that I had screwed them up. And it was just cool to realize, like, you know, that some of the very things I thought were going to screw them up the most actually have shaped them into the people that they are. And and we can try to control things and make it a certain way, but who's to say that's the best way? I mean, my kids are, I mean, the two that, that are almost raised, I'm like, man, I love who they are. And, and not that we hadn't screwed them up because I'm sure we have in a million ways. Like, but I sure, I think, you know, I think it's, it's cool. Like we're the right team, you know, like we're the right match team and, and they've become who they are despite the things I thought would screw them up. That's good. Meanwhile, you're saying that, and I'm looking at my son, looking at us through a glass wall going, uh, are you guys done yet? You know, <laughs> he's literally smashing his face against the glass right now, staring at us in the window. I'm like, sorry, I had to get up a minute, but we've all had the moment. Okay. Um, okay. We probably just have like two more questions. This has been amazing. First of all, like to hear the really honest, honest side of all this is encouraging. I'd love to hear the celebratory side of it. When, when you see each other doing what you are made to do, I'm curious what goes through your minds on behalf of the other person. I'm just curious, like I, I hear the tension of it, but I, I think there's probably a huge celebration with it too. So my role in February, every year when Jenny's organization, If Gathering, has their conference, is essentially uh, to be near Jenny to help her process the room, what's going on, what needs to uh, play that consultant role uh, during that during the weekend. But I'm always off stage watching her from backstage, and I cannot tell you how proud I am. I, I when she comes off stage from a talk and she falls into my arms, and I, I'm just weeping. We're weepy together. That. God has made us that we're wired the way that we do, and we have great appreciation for each of each each other's gifts. Uh, and so, we understand the cost, and we get to celebrate together. So, the the picture for me is in February when I I get to be the behind the scenes guy. It's a it's a women's conference. I'm pretty much the, <laughs> old, the only guy there. <laughs> whole uh, arena. And, uh, and it is special for me. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, there's so many moments flashing through my mind right now with watching Zach in his sweet spot because he has a lot of sweet spots. His, he's one of the best dads I could ever imagine. And watching our kids, I think so much of who are, who our kids have become, it's because of him. He just has, he's been this solid, steady pursuer of their souls and they feel known and loved by him. And I think that is probably one of the greatest gifts he's given each of our kids that they'll carry into every part of their lives forever. Not perfectly, but man, he is, he is, he is, the main thing is they are, they know they are loved. And, and that has been probably one of the funnest things I've watched him do. But another thing, I mean, I just love, cause we're, we're so much alike and yet there's constantly times I'm watching him and thinking, how do you do that? Like, right. One of his jobs is he, he does private equity, raises money for companies and, you know, he'll come home and be like, yeah, I'm talking. And this was this morning and this always happens. Yeah. I'm talking to a guy, you know, I think 
he needs $20 million for this thing. And I'm just thinking to myself, he needs what? And I have to tell you, we lead this- $20 million? You're like, what? $20 million. And we lead this huge organization, okay, that can't even pay their bills barely most of our existence. And I'm like, dude, if I could just like (laughs) ask somebody for money, like you ask people for money. But, But it's just cool. Like not many people can do that. And I think he- he has this unique gifting of, of really in the midst of $20 million or coffee that never goes anywhere. Because when you do that kind of business, you also have, you know, before the deal closes, you have 8,000 that didn't, right? And, and so his perseverance and watching his faithfulness just to do the right next thing and go to coffee and do the next thing, it, you know, and he just, he delights in knowing people. And I think that's why he's good at what he does is he doesn't assume he doesn't go into time with people expecting them to do something for him. He goes in thinking, how can I serve you and how can I help you? And I think he does it, what he does for me and what he does for our kids, he does for the world. I mean, whether somebody's having coffee with him or he's speaking to a small group of men, he is basically deploying their gifts and helping them see what's possible and then helping them go find the money if they need that or the staff or the team if they need that. And it's just fun. I mean, we, I love like I love this. Thank you all for interviewing us because I feel like it, it just reminds me of the ways we're made and how um, intentional it is that we're together and and I think we're gonna kiss after this. I think listen, we might at yeah. the end of these interviews. Listen, at the end of these interviews, two things either happen: you have to have makeup sex, or well, people are doing like, one or the other. It's either <laughs> like a major fight, yeah. or there's gonna be a makeout session. We never yeah. know. You know, it just could go either way. <laughs> but Jeff and I always say, even with these Do interviews, the counseling before the podcast. <laughs> but even with these interviews, I mean, we say that it's like it's our own like counseling. Like it, it is one of those things that after every time and every interview, we're like, we learned more and feel mm-hmm. better about our merit. Like, you know, you feel like you're growing through it. We're not as bad as them. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, okay, so our final question, which we ask everybody is, do you think it is possible to change the world, raise a healthy family, and stay in love? Absolutely. 100%. Wow. You both said yes. Well, you have us crying about our our lives, and we've just sent a son to college, and you know, only reasonably messed up. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got some evidence, you know, and I, and I, I didn't think that, I mean, most of my life, I didn't think that I thought we've got to sit on our dreams and, you know, life needs to be about, it exists completely for our kids in this season. And I mean, it was a huge risk for us to do a lot of our dreams while our kids were still young and it scared me to death doing it. But the more we've gone and the older our kids get, the more I realize, no, that's what's, that's what's made our lives and that's what's shaped theirs. And, and I wouldn't take away, I wouldn't go back and hold anything back. I, I love that we lived big and we took risks and, and I hope we keep living that way till, till we're, you know, 80 or 90 or however old we are when we go. I have a feeling if I came to your house, there would be like this huge thing and the living room wall, it just says dream big, you know, like everything that comes out of you guys are your dreams, your kids' dreams, your future dreams. You can't dream right now. So dream about the next thing. Like you just dream. You're dreamers. I love it. <laughs> That's Jeff. You're like speaking his love language. Yeah. These are my favorite people we've ever interviewed. Hey before. Jeff, but, but dreams actually have to go be executed. Oh man. Why you gotta be a downer on a Friday? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, but it's possible to both dream together. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. I love it. Okay. Zach, do you have anything else you want to add to that? No, just that we're thankful for you guys and this project. Cause I do think that it is, 
you know, but nobody's talking about this. Nobody's pulling back the curtain to what marriages are facing. And, and I love it. So thank you. Mm, awesome. well, thank you guys for your time. Seriously. And now it's time for the breakdown. So listeners, did you take as many notes as I did? Because I've got two pages in front of me here. That was so good. Jeff, what was one of the, your big takeaways? What did you feel that you heard? I loved, I loved what Jenny said. She, she, uh, she quotes us when she speaks sometimes. She says, I like you. I like all you people I'm speaking to, but I love my family. Mm-hmm. And that's a distinguishing perspective, I think, in how she approaches her work. That she likes her work. She appreciates her work. She's thankful she gets to do her work. But there's a very di- big difference between what she likes to do and who she loves. And I thought that was kind of a really good distinction, mm. uh, kind of like a hook to remember in, in this balance of, of work and life. Yeah, that's really good. I really enjoyed Zach talking about being a dream-releasing partner. So he talked about three things, being secure in who you are. And I love how he basically said, an insecure man cannot partner with a strong woman. Also giving up this idea of control that we can control the other person or control the scenarios in life. And then also needing to have the daily conversations to make it all work together. So how can we make scheduling work? How can we just make it work? And that is how you are able to really release those dreams of the people that you're working with. Yeah, the last thing that I would say that really stuck with me is at the end when we actually had them share a little bit about what they see in each other, I thought there's this really beautiful thing that they do in both of them being a dreamer of being like the biggest encourager of the person's dreams to the point that, you know, they were like tearing up because it's like when they stopped and thought about how much they appreciate the gifts of the other person, it almost overwhelms them. I thought that was just a beautiful moment. Yeah, they did get teary. It got me a little teary. I also really loved that they said that you cannot both start something at the same time. I think you and I talk about this a lot to others, especially because... Yeah, a lot of people in our plywood community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're starting with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of startups, and we're, we're always basically consulting on that idea of just you and your partner... You're not going to both be able to do something at the exact same time in startup phase, at least for sure. And maybe just needing to take those turns. It was kind of funny, her response to that, that, that she says to herself, if I can't run with that idea right now, I'm always planning for the next season where I can. Like she, even when she's not, like, I thought that was an interesting perspective. Like, you know, there might, right now might not be the time for your dream. You may be in support of your partner's dream, right. but that doesn't mean you can't be dreaming. Yes. Like you can't be preparing. You can't get ready because then, then there's a time where it has to shift. Yes, and that is so, so practical too because, okay, so you've got a million babies at home and diapers and this and that, but it doesn't mean that you can't read a book about something you're really mm-hmm. interested for the future one day or you can't take a class, a random night class once the babies yeah, are in bed yourself. or yeah. exactly. So there are still practical little things you can do even when you feel stuck in the mundane kind of place you are that you know you just can't get there yet. So I do want to recommend Jenny has so many 
incredible books. Look her up, Jenny Allen. She also is the founder of If Gathering. Check that out if that's of interest to you. But we do interrupt this up. It was an incredible, incredible interview. Thanks for being so vulnerable with us, Jenny and Zach. And this is another episode of Love or Work. If this interview really resonated with you, the tensions you feel in life, we want to recommend to click subscribe. Join us every week as we share these interviews along the journey. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.